Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Susan Sear. She's the founder of Miracle Grids, SLS Associates. Susan is a meditation master helping those exhausted with life's demands find inner peace and calm. She's the creator of Miracle Grids video meditations and Miracle Grids clearing tools and blogger. She has a very touching and inspiring story. It's such a pleasure to have Susan on the show today. Welcome to the show, Susan. Hi, how are you, Janice? I'm doing great. I've been reading all about you and I'm very touched by by all that you're doing out there in the world, and I can't wait to get started. I like the guests to start off with telling a little bit about themselves. Can you start off with that, Susan? Sure. I grew up and came into the physical in a large Catholic family right in the middle of 11 children. Then I... Wow. <laughs> yes. I, as a woman, I started as a trailblazer, I graduated from high school and started studying chemical engineering in 1970, and there were only a handful of women doing that in the country. So I got my degree, and at the same time that I was doing chemical engineering degree, I was also studying spiritual enlightenment and meditation and self-improvement, the Enneagram personality And I went on to practice my engineering skills, and I spent the last 40 years developing medical device and pharmaceutical products, and now I'm into developing spiritual products for people. Well, what a transition. So 40 years of being in chemical engineering, especially trailblazing those early years when women, that was very challenging, I'm sure. Can you tell our guests a little bit about how that went when you were young and in the 70s trying to get into a male-dominated field? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I laugh now, but you're right. It was challenging. It was a time before the sexual harassment laws were passed, so sexual mm-hmm. harassment was still okay. It was very common for me to hear men say that women were incompetent. When I went to school, the standards that were put on us to get our grades in, in chemical engineering were more strict than the men. We women had more strict criteria to climb over to get a grade than the men did because they said they were preparing us for a tough challenge in the workforce. So, wow. And we just had to accept lower salaries because we were women, and that's the way the world was. And that's how I jumped in. <laughs> to blazing the trail for women. And can I share just a little story? Please. Quick. This is at a time in my career when I was in Wisconsin, and I belonged to the Society of Women Engineers. And we got together, and there were like five women that had gathered from the whole state of Wisconsin to meet us in Milwaukee. And we were meeting And to hear their stories, I mean, these 
women were before me. I'm talking about here I am in my early 20s talking to women in their 40s and 50s who were the only engineer or the only architect, and to hear their stories about pretending to be men and doing all their work and having hired like a male secretary to give the presentation so the customers would not know that a woman had done the work. I mean, it was just amazing to me. And the sexual harassment that I went through was nothing compared to what these women went through. And when I think about where we are now as women and the world that I helped create for my daughter and my son, it's just astounding and and wonderful. So that's really wonderful that you got to be a part of that. I love that story, especially <laughs> during you. those years. And, and so they, you know, we take now sexual harassment training as managers that last, what, two hours. They obviously didn't, weren't even close to having anything like that back then. Right. Yes. And you had to be real creative for getting around it then. You could think of one of the most challenging stories back in those times dealing with maybe male superiors. Do you have one that you could share with our our listeners? Oh, yes. My biggest harasser was my supervisor. And I was working in a pulp mill in Wisconsin. And, you know, I would have to go in and climb inside the equipment and inspect it, inspect welds, make sure there was no pitting, things like that. A lot of all the technical things that Kemi has to do. And unbeknownst to me, every time I would go and inspect equipment, somebody would be coming in behind me, grabbing at my parts of my body I didn't like. <laughs> and I would oh. kick and scream and get out and they'd be gone. And so oh my I had, gosh. and also at the same time, I worked in a pulp mill, and it was like a naval ship. Uh, women were considered bad luck. So for me to work oh. there, I was the first woman in that pulp mill to work there, was <laughs> quite interesting. And what happened was I developed a friendship with a lot of the mechanics. I did things for them to help them to make their work easier so that they would accept me in the pulp mill. And I was just talking to one of the men one one night and explained to him what was happening. And he said, next time you come in to inspect equipment, you drop down to the machine shop and we will follow and make sure that what's going on and take care of you. Well, I did. Sure enough, there was that person in there. And when I got out... The mechanic told me, okay, they described the the man, and it was my supervisor. And it it made sense because (gasps) he knew where I would be going all the time. But they did something even better. They cornered him, the whole machine shop, and said, if you ever touch her again, you will regret it for the rest of your life. And that's all they had to say to him. Wow. And that ended that. What a story. That sounds like it could be put in a movie. <laughs> yes. But that was nothing compared to the stories we heard from those ladies in Wisconsin, the things that they went through, you know, men just coming up to them in meetings and grabbing their chest like it was mm. nothing. 
And one lady had a real creative way of handling that. She grabbed the gentleman in his crotch, and she said, <laughs> now you know how I feel. <laughs> oh, wow. That's <laughs> I, I can just picture that. So we have come a long way, really. Yes. Oh, my daughter isn't even near going through any of this, which is wonderful, <laughs> just wonderful. And uh, my son uh, well, how, how is old so is your respectful. daughter and your son? Uh, my daughter just turned thirty, and my son is twenty-six. Oh, so you have you have about the same age of um, children as I do. Uh, you you have millennials in there. How are they yes. doing? They're doing well. My son, though, is back in the house with us, what they call the boomerang generation. <laughs> okay, it's hard. It's it's tough for them. Yeah. It it but because we want to take own... care of him, we always did. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's living as independently as he can while he while he's getting support from us. So that's what we're helping them with. Yeah, it's the world. It's the economy. It's everything. Yes. It's not yeah. just how, how we raise them. Yeah, but I inspired him with my own business. Now he's trying his own business, so we'll see if that goes anywhere for him. So your entrepreneurial spirit after you know working as an engineer for 40 years has rubbed off, it sounds like, on him, uh, yes. probably as on your daughter as well. That's yes. terrific. She was always inspired okay. by me. <laughs> what What do you think? I'm going to jump way far ahead because I want to get into what you do now. I'm really intrigued by oh. your miracle grids and, and so forth. But let me ask you a question that I was going to ask you, you know, well into the interview. But since you've mentioned your daughter and your, your son, what virtue about life have you tried to instill in them? What would be the first thing that would come to mind? Follow your passion and be real. I love that. I don't know if you I would call it... that a virtue, but that was my motivation with raising them and pushing them out the door. How did you get with a family of, did you say 11 children? Yes. How, how did you get, I, I'm really intrigued by how you have went to, into engineering with that large of a family and then became an entrepreneur during what you, you did. How did you jump out of that whole, I can't even imagine having a family of 11 and, and a, a mom and a dad running around. How did that happen? Well, you know, you hear people talking about having a near-death experience, and I never had mm -hmm. those, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners haven't. But I actually had what I call a near-birth experience. That's my own name I gave it. Wow. Can I you tell us born, about that? Yeah. I was born into this world knowing where I came from. I remembered being on the other side. I, I tell a story. It's on my About page. I was in the crib. I was upset because the window was open and there was a lot of loud noise with a summer storm going on and I tried to get up to close the window and I realized I couldn't get up and it dawned on me oh my gosh I'm an infant I can't You're move a baby yes I realized I was a baby and <laughs> the first thought that came to me was darn <laughs> I gotta do this growing up oh. thing again so I totally 
had an understanding of what I was doing. And and mm-hmm. so my mom thought I was obsessed with, like, babies. But what it was is that as each new addition came into the family, it was like, whoa, look who showed up. Oh, glad you could make it. So, um, Was that an exciting, I mean, was that like you welcomed them in as each one showed up and was born? Yes, I just. Wonderful. I took care of them when they were babies. Here I was Mm. just a little kid helping my mother change diapers. I was so interested in just helping them and being with them and playing with them. So um, I, and where I got into like getting into chemical engineering and everything was I had a hospital experience where I had to have eye surgery. And I was in the hospital with a 12-year-old who was showing me the ropes on how to, I had these bandages on my eyes and I couldn't see and I had to spend a whole week like that and so Mm. she taught me how to not rip those bandages off all week but one of the most important things she taught me was how to live through life she had no siblings and I had 10 and what she had me do she said Susan what you have to do is you have to be able to relax all the time and just take life as it comes. And to me, as a five-year-old, that was like this big secret about life, combining with knowing where I came from. So mm-hmm. I was naturally talented in math and science, and I just had this desire to be a chemical engineer. It was a dream. And it was a passion I had. And so that's how I went into it. I took that secret that she taught me, and I navigated in that large family, and none of my other brothers and sisters had gotten a degree at that time, and I went and worked during the summers to earn money to save so I could go to college, and I paid my own way through college, too. Wow. So Wow, and that, I, I was hoping you would tell that story because I had read that, and it was very, very um, touching for me to read it. And you, you mentioned that you found out later that this 12-year-old who, who sets this, <gasps> such a profound um, imprint on your life at five that she was mentally handicapped. Yes, and I had only learned a few years ago about that. To me, she was the wisest person in the world. And that soul connection we had, like we knew she also, I believe, had a near-life experience because we talked about how we weren't going to see each other in the physical, but we would see each other afterwards. And I knew at that time just what a wise soul she was and the secret that she gave me. And her parents were so shocked with how she comforted me because I was so grief-stricken when she left because she left the day before me. And she comforted me. And I never understood their surprise until my mother told me a few years ago that she was mentally handicapped. And I thought, to me, she was pure perfection, and the truth is, she was. And she, if she's living, she still is. And it made me realize, because I knew where we came from, I mm-hmm. know that we come into this world 
with certain challenges that we choose to have. And she chose that challenge. And that, when people come into the world with those kind of vulnerabilities, they have so much to offer anybody that they touch. And Mm -hmm. if people would just recognize that, that would just be great. (laughs) Yeah, and at such a young age, too. Yes. That's amazing. And and you also write that she inspired you to meditate. Yes. It was that relaxation that she told me about relaxing and getting into life. And as I said, well, how do you do this all the time? And that's how I started getting into reading books and learning about meditation and getting into meditation. And I think I took every meditation course the world had to offer <laughs> and read every book on it throughout my life. I might have I was going to say so that must have helped you through being a chemical engineer and going into, you know, the like we talked about the sexual harassment, but let's let's yeah. move then into a few questions I have for you and what you do now after 40 years of all of that and that is such a profound story. Thank you for sharing it. So how do you help people find inner peace? Well, what I do is think about for a minute the people on this planet who have the most inner peace, a Tibetan monk, okay? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you look at Tibetan monks, they have a brainwave frequency that keeps them in a state of inner peace and calm most of the time. Throughout my life, I have combined now my knowledge of science and spirituality into developing meditations that within minutes can put people at that same frequency as a Tibetan monk. And I've had people come back to me who said, I couldn't do the whole 12-minute meditation because the kids were screaming in the other room, but I relaxed enough in the first few minutes that I was able to go in and deal with the children. So... Wow, which, what which I, helped, even if it wasn't the, fir- the full meditation amount of time. That's great. Right. Yes. So if people use their best ear listening devices and just watch that meditation, they will be at the same brainwave frequency as a Tibetan monk. And you don't have to take any lessons or learn. You're just right there. I know. I've had so many um, different uh, opportunities for people to tell me to meditate, and I just I, I wish that I could learn that that skill. Um, and so, how do your Miracle Grids clearing tools help people, Susan? Uh, they my Miracle Grid clearing tools are healing talisman that I developed and drew, and I arrange them in sacred geometry. Now, again, think about. Um, Being in the now, if you go out into nature, what happens to you when you go out into nature? You're like very sensitive and you're at peace and you feel you're easily connected to the divine intelligence within you. So what my healing talisman do, my miracle grids, they increase your sensitivity like you're out in nature so that Mm -hmm. you can go ahead and you can... um, Use them to make your visualization more connected to the real you. And you can also relax and use them for healing. 
and I use those talisman in my meditations. That's part of the visual. I actually rotate some of the layers in different directions. So you're watching the healing talisman as you're listening to the meditation. So with your with your miracle grid, Susan, and I hope you're still on. I kind of lost you yeah. for a moment. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so how how are you offering this to the, the masses, to the public? How how can they they reach you and get this kind of um, experience and um, training? On my website, I sell uh, both streaming and downloading meditations, and I. I t- currently sell my miracle grids on Amazon, but I am have asked for them to be gone and I'm upgrading them and I'm having them for download on my website. And my website is changeyourbeliefsnow.com. And there's a lot of good content on there. There's a couple free meditations on there. Uh I have a blog and that's how yes, people I've, I've looked. Very substantive. I I enjoyed looking at that as well and reading through it. Thank you. Yeah, let me ask you one last question before we're kind of running out of time. And I'm 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 very interested in in your, you know, your life story and now what you're doing. But let me ask you. So you 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 know had a large family with your mom and dad, and I asked you about the virtue or what you have instilled in your children. Who was the mm-hmm. most influential in your life, your mom or your dad or someone else? My mother, because she dealt with 11 children coming yeah, from I, a small family. And she was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, and was a child when Pearl Harbor was bombed. And that was challenging for her. And she married my father when she was 16 years old, and she had my sister when she was 17. And she never had an opportunity to pursue her dreams, and she wanted every single one of her children to pursue their dreams because she just did what she thought she was supposed to do, you know, get married, have children, whatever. So I was very inspired by her and she always supported all of us children just doing what we felt passionate to do and she mm-hmm. didn't put judgments on those which is remarkable for a family of 11 i i can't even fathom that and you mentioned your you know y- you have instilled that or tried to instill that in your children was the passion and to be real so mm-hmm. whatever she did with you, you really, you know, followed suit with, with your own children. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, wonderful. thank you. One more question, cause, because you came from a background of, you know, of uh, technology and such, do you, and you didn't choose a safe career path, no. how would you advise young women today to pursue their passions first or to take the safe route first? <gasps> pursue the passions, no matter mm-hmm. what. Life will support you if you make all of your choices doing what most excites you from moment to moment, and you will have a happy, fulfilling life. There will be challenges, but 
they're the right challenges that you need to develop spiritually and as a human. Absolutely, and and thank you for that. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. I want to remind our listeners that you can get a hold of Susan at changeyourbeliefsnow.com. Thank you so much for being on the show, Susan. It's been oh, very, you. very enlightening. Do we have a minute for me to give your listeners an affirmation? Absolutely, please. Okay, and... I just want to say one thing about affirmations, and this is a little trick that people need to understand. If you say an affirmation but don't believe it, you will reinforce a negative belief that you have. So it's really important to have an affirmation that's believable. So this, if your listeners, no matter what life experience you are going through, whether it's a loss, whether it's you're carrying excess body fat or you're aging or you're frustrated with someone, if you would just say to yourself and look in the mirror when you say this, even though I am experiencing blank, I still fully and completely accept myself more and more each day. And that I love more that. Can you repeat that one more time? I think yes. we need to hear that one more time, Susan. Okay. Even though I am experiencing blank, I still completely and fully accept myself more and more each day. That's that's terrific. And it's all about accepting ourselves, isn't it? Yes. It all life challenges are met with self-acceptance and self-love. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much once again, Susan, um, for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure. Same here, and I hope I've been helpful to your listeners. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Susan. Ladies, I am so happy that you tuned in today and learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests, and I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge on to your daughters and friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon, and in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude. You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice.